Hello, and welcome to the B2B Marketing Podcast. My name is Joel Harrison. I'm Editor-in-Chief of B2B Marketing. My guest for this podcast is Maria Jennings, Director of Marketing and Brand at PwC. Before we begin the interview, we wanted to add this preface. Shortly after Maria and I made this recording, we received some the sad news that Jack Ryan, who was Digital Marketing Manager in Maria's team and friend to so many at PwC, died unexpectedly. Understandably, this hit Maria and the whole marketing team really hard, particularly given the close-lit nature of the team, which was instrumental in them winning Marketing Team of the Year at the B2B Marketing Awards 2020. Maria wanted me to dedicate this podcast to Jack and highlight the huge contribution that he'd made to the success of the team. She told me that Jack is sorely missed but leaves a light that will never be extinguished. I started the interview by welcoming Maria to the podcast and thanking her for joining us and by asking her a bit about her background and how she got into marketing. So um, let's start with you. Um, start. Tell us a bit about yourself. H- have you always been a B2B marketer and have you always been a marketer? Yeah, good question. I mean, I am, um, I am the example of the marketer that has been in 20 plus years of business development and marketing in professional services only. Um, in fact, I have a little uh, fact about myself. In, I've worked at numerous different professional services firms, um, including Ernst & Young, Norton Rose, now PwC, and most of my career spent all in more London in that little area by Tower Bridge. Um, so, yeah, I, I know that area very well, but spent most of my career there. Um, yeah, BD before um, Pure Marketing uh, at, at Norton Rose, account management at Ernst & Young. Um, I have been I've led account teams so I've looked after in a key client role um, um, I spent um, some time abroad as well working in Asia but yes all of my 20 plus years in professional services marketing and business development okay so you you really know this sector really well you've been there and done that you might not know London very because you only worked in one very small corner when I'm, I'm... yeah I, I don't get <laughs> past London Bridge or Tower Bridge so <laughs> Well, it's very good. You definitely know which sandwich shops are the best in that area. Um, and, and did you train as a marketer? Did you, did you qualify in, in, as it? Well, interestingly, I, um, much to my dad's despair, I when I went to university, I studied criminal psychology. Um, and he said, why would you want to do that? What are you going to do with that, you know, when you when you graduate? But I was just fascinated. I did law at eight level um, and psychology. Just fascinated. Did a topic that I was interested in. Um, I then graduated and started off really my career, as, as most people do, in kind of a bit of an admin role um, in a U.S. law firm. And I, uh, it kind of just went from there. I fell into marketing. Um, I studied and did some of my CIM many, many moons ago. Um, but I, I guess you could say I'm, I'm self-taught and, you know, I've learned along the way and, and been working for some great leaders, actually, um, over that time who I've learned a lot from. Okay. Uh, and it, it sounds like you picked up and a lot of your story sounds like it echoes a lot of marketers along the way um, who've maybe not come in it on a kind of purist route, but but have got some great experience, which contributes to them being a great marketer in, in their roles. I have to ask you, though, criminal psychology, does yeah. any of that play, that, that, you know, it's a gift of a question. Fascinating, fascinating. Can you use any of that in, I mean, are, is there any of that aligned in kind of, in your marketing understanding? Well, well I, I mean, thankfully, I don't work with any criminal, criminals, so that's a good thing. Um, the psychology aspect is, is always fascinating, I guess, to some extent, still does. Um, and I think that it definitely helped with how I analyse situations, how I, you know, talk to people, manage stakeholders. Um, 
some of my friends would say though perhaps uh, it didn't do me any favors when I overthink things maybe occasionally well I'm not going to be uh, I'm not going to be complaining about people doing that I'm definitely in that camp as well so um uh well, listen, interesting, fascinating background. So tell us a bit about, so now you're, you know, you say you've got more than 20 years experience in marketing. You don't look anything like old enough to be in that time. <laughs> but um, what is it about marketing now in your current, what is it that really engages you about it as a profession or an industry? I'm really passionate about marketing. Obviously, I came from a BD background, which was a mix, really. If you think about law firm BD, it's a mix of marketing and business development. Um, but I have spent my time at PwC for nearly eight years now in a pure marketing role. Um, my passion is storytelling. And I think that at, at the heart of great marketing is great storytelling. Um, even if that's in a lead gen campaign, you still need to be working out what you sell and your story needs to be great versus whether you are positioning under a big brand advertising campaign, for example. But storytelling um, is something I'm really passionate about. I was head of content and thought leadership at PwC for a number of years when I came to PwC way back when. Um, and even now, it's the bit that I love to kind of roll my sleeves up with and get my hands dirty, um, you know, looking at our messaging narrative, how we position ourselves around that language in the market. Um, I, I love to write. So I've got a personal little hobby background where I, I write in a blog um, and I use that as a as a bit of an outlet, really. I guess as my free therapy, as I like to call it. Um, <laughs> but at, at, at the heart of great marketing, I think uh, great storytelling is there. And, and ultimately, you need to be thinking about that in an innovative and creative way. It needs to be commercial, grounded, you know, in the client. But, but my view is at the heart of that is a great story. I, I think so many marketers relate to that but storytelling is definitely one of the more kind of creative ends of the spectrum so you're you know you're definitely a very you see yourself as a creative marketer and you love that bit about the industry and and you know i mean do you would you agree that the, the kind of that creative aspect of it is still core to it as a profession i mean i think it i think so yes it's interesting that you say that and make that observation about me because i'm also passionate about strategy right um the strategy love a love a plan need structure um you know like to ensure that people know what that plan is, what our objectives are, and we're asking the why question all the time. Um, I think creativity comes from different places in different people. Um, there are those that are very strategic in the way they operate from a marketing perspective versus those that are super creative and blow your mind when you walk into a room with them. Um, and I think it's about getting the balance right between a mix of people, individuals from diverse backgrounds, different grades, that can all bring that to the table. I don't think that everybody needs to have everything yeah. anymore. I think gone are those days. Actually, I think it's about knowing what your superpower is. What's the thing that you're really great at? And then bringing other superpowers, a bit like, you know, Avengers Assembly, <laughs> bringing them to the table um, to be able to do really good things. Okay. Know your superpowers. So, so to moving on to a little bit, talk a little bit more about your team, because we've, we've got a really clear picture about you, who you are and how you work with the business and your background, all that kind of stuff. The obvious thing to ask, is, since you talk about teams, and uh, is about COVID. Um, and I heard you say in a roundtable, I think what we, one of the times we first met was, I heard you say um, the B2B, that um, you described it as living from work rather than working from home. And I've got to say that really tickled me. I thought that was hilarious because that, that absolutely um, that actually sums up what I think about it. Um, how, how, has, how have you found this impacting on, on, on your team, your relationship with them and the support and the off how you need to operate as a team leader? 
I mean, when the pandemic hit, I mean, can we even think back that far? It seems like forever, doesn't it? I think, you know, um, as a marketing function, we had to pivot very quickly. Um, we had to respond to something we'd never seen before. The business was working out where it needs to be, um, how it helped our clients. And therefore, our role became very different. All of a sudden, we had to pause what we were doing, in some cases, stop what we were doing um, and rethink where our effort needed to be, where our investment needs to be, what skills we needed to deliver. Um, you know, very quickly, you're trying to help as an organisation, your clients survive. Um, ultimately, they were in survival mode. So what did we need to be doing from a marketing perspective to help um, in that scenario? So the pivot was very sharp, very quick. We moved people from roles into a central team, a COVID response team, and all of whom worked brilliantly together. You know, the, the camaraderie and the and the teamwork there was excellent. To, to look at what the priorities were and therefore what did we stop, what did we pause, what carried on in the background because we knew we would need it again when we came out of it. Um, and I think that the, the way that I saw the team, the function kind of pivot at speed around a whole new set of goals very quickly was was to their credit. Okay. And and then obviously, and that sounds great, and it, and it sounds like a really great to have a sense of mission, a sense of purpose, bind, bring bring everybody together behind it. Um, and I think we may have talked about this in the previous roundtable that you were part of, but on an individual level, uh, you know, what did how did the kind of challenge about engaging or working with those individuals change? I mean, um, it sounds like it's got quite a, you're a very close team, but did you have to adjust the way that you engage with them? And obviously, physically, you did because you couldn't be the same office with them anymore. So, tell us a bit about that in terms of how, um, what what kind of challenges presented themselves and how you worked with them and responded to that scenario. Yeah, I mean, as a marketing function at PwC, we're 115 people um, across many regions in the UK, um, and we were always used to working virtually. Um, it was kind of in our DNA. Um, there was a stat I know that our um, that Kevin Ellis, kind of our chairman, mentioned that within three or four days of the first initial announcement from Boris back in March, we had you know close to twenty thousand people working from home. That's pretty phenomenal, actually. Whereas I know other organisations really struggled with that because it wasn't really part of their makeup. So for us as a marketing function, working virtually was no no big deal. I guess the big deal was um, that for some people being in the office is a really good thing because they get to see people, you know, they might be in a shared house or might be living alone. Um, and actually getting into the office is their, is their escape, is the thing that they enjoy doing. So we very quickly as a leadership team got our arms around people, I guess, metaphorically, you know, checking in on people. Um, different teams did different things. You know, we had happy hours some Fridays for some teams. There were a lot of quizzes that went on. Um, you know, we added a bit of fun into what was quite an unnerving and uncertain time for many. Um, we upped the ante around communication. So actually the function was hearing from leadership of sales and marketing much, much more frequently. Um, and I guess just showing care for individuals. It all sounds really simple, but I think it has a huge impact. Um, and being clear on the boundaries with people. You know, there were many me included in the beginning, many parents, for example, and carers, and those that had other commitments outside of work that meant you were trying to juggle. I was trying to juggle a three-year-old, which was, I mean, chaos at times. You know, he often joined me on a on a um, 
on a you know on a chat on the video um I was handing him over after two hours to my husband and vice versa and people were worried about that they were worried about what it would look like they were worried about how that would be perceived but the message from the firm was always you know you do what you need to do we're all trying to survive right now we support you take the time if you need to work you know take the afternoon to to do childcare or to have caring duties or whatever it might be and you want to work for a couple of hours in the evening that's totally fine so very kind of supportive around um you know i guess getting our arms around people in that time okay okay um, a, a very a, a pragmatic but supportive approach it sounds really appropriate and uh yeah, I mean, easy easy to say, but doing 115 people who are geographically located with different priorities is is not so easy. I mean, I, I, I appreciate. The next question I was going to ask you was, do you you know there was an initial adap- adaptation, but then obviously you know the 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 kind of crisis or the situation with COVID has kind of pivoted and changed and evolved, and you know, did you has the has your has your kind of evolution continued throughout that process are you still continuing to evolve and do you imagine that will continue right until the very end of when COVID is hopefully a dim and distant memory absolutely and I think even to be honest my philosophy is that you know minus the pandemic you should always you should always the plan's never static in my view the strategy never stands still um it should always be something that we're continuing to assess review test iterate all of those things and so I think actually um in the scenario that we're in right now you know for that period of time up front where it was all kind of hands on deck and let's let's get our arms around this and understand what our clients need to a different approach which was okay well we know where our clients are still struggling and so the approach with those guys actually now we're seeing some of those clients come out of that survival mode into looking ahead, looking at transformation. For example, you know, I heard one partner say it's non-negotiable now. Organisations need to transform. And at the time, we were working on quite high-profile transformation um, market positioning campaigns. So we knew then that that was the thing we had to get behind very quickly, get that to market at the right time. We knew our clients were looking at risk, for example. We knew they were still thinking about um you know, restructuring um, as part of their business. So again, mobilising a team around in market activation in that space. So being very front of mind and relevant, I guess, at the right time um, is important. And we, I think that is in our in our makeup at PwC. We we tend to operate in that way, and certainly that's been the case over the last couple of years. We've evolved. We've started to evolve in that way. Okay, uh, and I was going to ask you um, about if there's a single thing which stands out as being the most challenging thing you encountered as a team leader during this period and how you overcame it. And you can just, you can include trying to manage a three-year-old at the same time, because by the way, I have what I have one as well. And that is a, a bloody nightmare. So I can completely relate to how difficult that is. You know, um, so it was there anything that stands out. It could, it could be that or something else, uh, which is a, this kind of most challenging thing you, you dealt with, how do you ever, how you overcome it? Uh, I think for me, um, it was being really clear on boundaries. Um, the working day got longer. You know, people put meetings in the diary at 8.30 and 8 o'clock without checking if that was okay because people assumed you'd be up and at your laptop by then. Uh, meetings went in very late in the day, again, for the same reason. The day just got longer, you know, in the absence of a commute. where whilst you might still be checking your emails and getting up to speed on things, you've got a little bit of, of a break between getting to the office and leaving the office. Um, 
I, I have had to personally really challenge myself around that because I would find myself at six o'clock still in the office if I sit now in our home, you know, bashing away on the keyboard and my little boy is inside saying, you know, mummy, can I have a story? So it's, it's really making sure you have those boundaries. And I think everybody, I can probably speak for everybody in, in marketing, everyone has struggled with that yeah. a lot. And so we've been really, um, again, as a leadership team, but me personally, the team over the last couple of months, you know, I've been saying, look, guys, it's okay to say no to a meeting. It's okay to say, I don't want to do that on video. I'm going to go and walk the dog and we can have a chat on the phone. You know, when was the last time you called somebody? We tend to do everything now. By video. Yeah. Um, you know, I've introduced um, a couple of times a week. I try and do a walk and talk, um, you know, in some of my meetings rather than sitting looking at a screen. So I just think the day got longer. We had fewer boundaries. And actually, that really... Some people really struggled with that, and we've had to be really clear now as this becomes a longer-term scenario for many. Um, find your boundaries. Find your red line. Be clear on that. Do a brilliant job, um, you know, within the within the boundaries that you work, but don't feel don't feel bad for saying that you can't work past 5.30 or 6 o'clock, for example. Yeah, yeah that's very, very wise words. I mean, I guess one of the interesting things about that is what is what we revert back to, assuming that we revert back to something resembling normal when we are able to go to the office unin, unimpinged, unin, unhindered, and how we deal with that, that situation, because some of the expectations probably will remain, but they may not be appropriate to remain. So I'm not asking you to tell me what the answer is, because I don't think anybody knows at this point, but it, it's it's a kind of fluid scenario, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I think so. And I mean, my personal view is I don't think that we will I think fundamentally um, the way in which we work has changed forever. Um, I think that those organisations that had very firm views on employees working from home and it was a bit of a no-go, I think, will have changed their stance now. Um, and I think what's really great about when you allow employees and you trust employees to work from home um, when appropriate um, is that they can still deliver, they can still do really great things. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, that's just not for us in marketing, that's everybody. Yeah. You know, we had examples at PwC where we were doing amazing client work, you know, virtually, that we never would have thought could have been done without being on client side, for example. And I'm not saying that we won't need to go back to some of the ways that we worked before, but I do think there will be more flexibility for more people in terms of how they work. We were very lucky at PwC. We always had that flexibility. We have everyday flexibility at PwC. That means you you, you work how you, you know, how your day allows you to work. Um, and I think that that just means that for more organisations and therefore more people, that flexibility will become a new norm. Yeah. So I want to talk to you a bit about your awards win. I mean, this is the kind of premise for us talking today. And, and my colleague, Sarah Caswell, and I, who are presenting the awards, uh, which was a departure for us because we did it live or partly live, at least, but watching your team's engagement on social and various um, entries you were shortlisted for. And it was wonderful. It was a thing to behold. And, you know, you, you beat a lot of the agencies who kind of pride themselves on great culture in terms of just in terms of the, 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 the enthusiasm there. So if ever there was an embodiment of great spirit, that was clearly it. So you know how often, how important is team culture in in winning in winning marketing team the or just in generally having a great team uh, it's i mean that award win for us changed 
changed what had been such a tough year for so many because that marketing team of the year award was for everyone. It wasn't for one particular project team or what, you know, all of whom are, you know, deserved winners. That was for each and every person in marketing, for every bit of contribution. We do at PwC um, rally around. We we love a bit of social um, and we um, we prepped for that. We had content good to go. You know, we had, we had images from you guys because it was a big deal for us, a really big deal. And actually, you know, doing it virtually was really great because we had over 100 people. I think 105 people joined us in kind of – some way, shape, or form on the night. Whereas if we had gone to an actual in-person event, we'd have bought a couple of tables and had, you know, probably 20 people there. So this way, everybody got to get involved and everybody made an effort. Um, you know, we had multiple tables. It was quite a big deal, multiple virtual tables and hosts. And it was really great. And, and I'm really passionate about this concept of we. You know, you'll very rarely hear me talk about because I believe that, you know, every successful person has somebody else who's equally successful standing next to them, um, alongside them, with them. Um, so, you know, even I can think back to, you know, project days and in teams where, you know, an individual might be saying, well, I, I, I would like to go down this route. And I say, well, what about we? What about all of us? Is this not a we conversation? And that really was about we, about us, about the entire function having recognition for everything that they do. And, and some, what you often hear about award wins as well is that it's wonderful for the team, it's wonderful for the individuals, and, and I love the fact that you reflect on back on both and you make those multidimensional, but also it's often great outside of the – for marketing in, in the concept of the organisation – has there been any recognition of that? Or I mean, I'm, I suspect knowing you, you yeah. probably didn't wait. You made sure there was recognition. Of that. Well, you know, even um, I think we had our chairman tweet um, to congratulate us. Our new head of clients and markets tweeted. So we had a number of um, influential people in the business recognise us. Um, you know, our head of sales and marketing, Paul Mawson, was you know, congratulating people because it's a big deal. Um, you know, as a leadership team of directors in sales and marketing, I was really quick to let them know that we'd won that and they all got their arms around their individual teams to congratulate them. It's a, it's a big deal. And it's really important to me that I personally acknowledge that and recognise that for the team because it's important that they understand that they have been part of that win. That's not a me thing or a leadership thing that's because of all of them um and so yeah good recognition internally um and because we're quite noisy about it and we make a big deal about it you can't really miss it <laughs> well i think it's great to celebrate success i mean it just it it's just works on so many different levels so uh, you know uh, hats off to you guys you it was a master class in how to really set really just generate the sense of the the culture and the importance of that um and so I wanted to understand, because obviously this actually, the entry, the awards entry would have related back to what happened in the year up to April. So only partly relating back to the COVID year. So, um, you know, did it, did it, did it, did it, has it, does it relate to a specific, a kind of um, any specific challenges that you faced in that 12 months? Or was it part of a kind of perhaps a longer journey that been building up for a longer period of time or combination of the two? I guess the combination of the two, we've been on a on a bit of a journey over the last couple of years. So obviously I've been in this role. Um, I'm new in this this particular role. We had Lucy Birch, obviously, and um, before who I know you know well. Um, 
And really over the last couple of years, you know, I and other heads of marketing at the time worked very closely with Lucy on on our marketing transformation. It was a conscious decision that we made um, over kind of, a, you know, the last couple of years. Um, we We wanted to change, I guess, how we did things, um, why we did things and be able to show value in that. We developed a number of great um, processes and systems internally around best practice delivery. I, you know, I'm really passionate now as I kind of move forward in this role. Um, and I, the team have heard me talk about this quite a lot. I talk a lot about consistency, about client centricity and commerciality. If we don't have those three things in our marketing, then we're not doing we're doing something wrong. And we need to be always thinking about how we can be consistent in the market, how we don't create noise. Because with a firm like PwC, with lots of parts of the business and 900 plus partners, um, you could you could just be in the market with multiple messages all of the time, creating noise. And so actually I think one of the things that as part of our marketing transformation, we know we looked at our bot model. We looked at the priorities around our planning and our strategy, and that continues to evolve. And now I think we're in a place we've delivered some fantastic marketing over the last few years specifically, and we've really evolved how we do things, um, you know, investment in skills um, and capability. And now for me, it's about how we start to become more consistent, deliver a narrative that becomes a bit of a golden thread, I guess, for everything that we do. And I presume that winning this award is lovely um, because everyone likes to be recognised and great for everybody. Yeah. Um, but I guess that probably development of the team doesn't stop here. I suspect that probably there are things you want to do in the future. Is there anything you can tell us a little bit, a bit about now in terms of challenges or aspirations you have for the future for the team? Yeah, so I think, you know, I, I talked there about those kind of three Cs that I'm, I'm talking to the team about. Um, look, I'm a really big believer in simplifying what is complicated. Um, I'm often the person in <laughs> many meetings where I absorb and I listen for quite some time. I'm a listener. Um, and then I'll jump in and say, guys, are we not just overcomplicating this? But, you know, I, I, this feels overcomplicated. And when you unpick it, actually, it's quite a simple premise that you're trying to deliver. So I'm really keen that we start to simplify our messages so that we have greater clarity in the market with our clients, with our prospects internally as well um, that we are really clear on what we mean by commerciality so what I mean by that is, is it doesn't just have to be a revenue number that you attach to what you do it needs to have a commercial goal but that commercial goal can be you know if you look at some of the, the positioning uh, brand positioning campaigns that we deliver into the market they become the platform from which our stakeholders can have more informed in-depth conversations with clients that support the things that they sell. And so ultimately, that is your commercial goal. Um, but sometimes I think we get a bit fixated with well, how much re revenue is that going to generate? And it's okay to say, well, it, you'll never, you, you may never know, but actually what it will do is connect really directly to that sales play over there that you're saying is the priority and we can make that happen, we can help make that happen. So understanding the commercial goal and getting the guys comfortable with that doesn't need to always be a direct number, but it does need to connect to the things that we think is important. And then on the client centricity point, I guess, again, getting the team to be thinking about, you know, well, put yourself in the client's shoes. You know, this doesn't have to be a necessarily PwC says, PwC thinks. 
you know, let's test what we're doing with clients. Let's co-create with clients. Let's put the clients at the heart of what we're trying to deliver to the market. Um, and so I think, I'm, you know, it's an evolution of that journey that we've started. Um, you know, some, some basic stuff like getting, you know, some of our processes more efficient, um, you know, being really clear on the skills required in particular roles, for example. Um, I'm, I'm passionate about that. And I think and, and the team's hearing that from me all the time. And as I've said to them, this is not a project that I will finish and then say, Da-da, guys, here you go. This is this is just what we're going to do. It's going to be ingrained in us. It'll be everyday life, and it will just be off. It sounds. It very much sounds like it's about their mindsets and about you're trying to kind of get them thinking in the right way. And if you if they're thinking in the right way, then the results will be the right results. And it sounds like a yeah. So I, th- I think yeah, I think so. I mean, what I'd add to that is, um, I, I'm we're doing quite a lot around how we use data more effectively. So what I mean by that is data led data informed strategy so why is that the marketing strategy for x part of the business what's telling us that we should be doing that um versus what comes out at the other end you know how we are analyzing that data using that data to make more informed decisions um and also not waiting till the end right like test refine test refine that approach and not being afraid to give something a go and it doesn't work and you pull it and you just try something new um, so data, I think, and insight is really important in terms of how we develop our plan and our strategy for the coming months. Yeah, sounds very, very, very wise words and can only be becoming more important in B2B marketing. Uh, this has been a great, great conversation. I've got one final question to ask you, uh, which is, you know, we're hoping, you know, we, we, we know these podcasts are listened to by aspiring B2B marketing leaders as well as established ones. Um, if there's somebody listening there who really wants to run an award-winning team in future, perhaps they're running a team or they want to run a team, but they want to be recognised in the way that PwC has, has been, what's the one bit of advice you'd give to them? Yeah, I, I was thinking about this. I think there's a couple of things. I think my view is that leadership is not about titles or positions or flowcharts or org charts. It's about um, one individual influencing another individual. To me, it's as simple as that. And the knock-on effect that that has. So I think it's, I would say to people, think about your relationship, think about your network, think about the dialogue that you have with your team, with your stakeholders, because that's ultimately how you become credible and how you show leadership, because people follow that. People will follow that. Um, And for me, I've kind of, I guess, set the stool up if you like with the marketing team at PwC by saying that I will commit to certain attributes of the leader that I hope that they will see in me um, regularly and that is that I will um, listen to understand not listen to respond Um, I think we often want to jump in and we've got an answer I know how to do that but I'll listen to understand as to why actually that might be a different way that that you would do it compared to how I would do it. So I kind of commit to that, I guess, to the guys. I also talk about the concept of the importance of why. Ask why every time because the more insight you can get as to what someone's looking to achieve, the better you can be in responding to that and providing a solution. The third thing is, I've mentioned it before, but I feel really strongly about it, is simplify. Simplify anything that feels complicated because the more simple it is, the easier it is to digest and therefore you land your message in a really kind of clear way and provide clarity. And then I guess the fourth thing really is, and, you know, hopefully 
the team would say this about me, but I believe in kind of authenticity over everything. Just be yourself. Um, you know, I've had feedback in the past that I am firm but fair, um, that I'm inclusive but compassionate. So, you know, I, I don't think there's any harm in in being direct when you need to be direct and being, you know, providing clarity and not beating around the bush, but equally being able to show that you can, you know, wrap your arms around people and, and provide the, you know, proverbial hub. So authenticity is really important. I can believe that of you as well. I can, you're a very authentic person. So, Maria, thank you so much for congratulations again, belatedly. Thank you so much for for, for taking you. the time to speak to me today. Really, really interesting answers. Um, um, so I hope you've enjoyed listening to this. Just a couple of things to say. If you we're going to make the transcript of this recording available afterwards as well, so you can have a look at the text of it. We're also going to make the award submission um, available as well. So you want to see how PwC won, what they did, um, and what was special about their particular answers and all that kind of stuff around it, you can access that too via the B2B Marketing website. So thank you for joining us. There's lots more of these podcasts uh, talking about um, giving great insights to how senior B2B marketing leaders think um, and, and the journeys that they've been on. So thank you for joining us today. And I hope you can join us again soon. Maria, thanks again for your help. Thanks, Joe. Okay. Great to talk Goodbye. Thank you.